my friends. We turn to uh, the little epistle of Jude. I'm going to read the same uh, verses we read last week. So from verse 17 through to verse uh, 25. Jude verse 17, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the prophets of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Saviour, who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Well, beloved, last week we began to look at four marks of those who are called to live out the faith. The four marks are seen in the four verbs. Building, praying, keeping and looking. Among these verbs, there is only one imperative, and that is the verb to keep. Keep yourselves. So I suggested tweaking the order and looking at verse 21, keeping yourselves in the love of God, which we did last week. And I said in doing that, hopefully we will see how the other verbs help us to understand how it is that we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. So... Having, as I say, considered the imperative, keep yourselves in the love of God, just want to back up now into verse 20. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Now the adjective here, holy, as to faith, is used only here in the entire New Testament. And that's helpful. It's helpful because that assists us in our understanding of what Jude is referencing here. This is not a subjective faith. He's not saying your faith, your personal response to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's already set the scene for for what he's saying uh, by, uh, well, if you look back to verse 3, he says, I want you to contend earnestly for the faith. You know, the, the, the whole body of the faith, if you like, which was once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, contend for the doctrine which has underpinned the development of God's people throughout the, the ages. So, for example, just to cross-reference this in relation to building, if you could turn to Ephesians 2 for a moment. Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. Okay, so if you've got that, 
Ephesians 2, verse 19, and Paul says, You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So you're not your own. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So there's the building. You're built upon the teaching of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom, that is in Jesus, you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So you say, well, Billy, what's the point? Well, it's building ourselves up. And building ourselves up is a a corporate reality. Now, we mentioned that last week. I mentioned it again on Sunday evening. You know, we're not solo flyers it's a corporate reality and it's also a lifelong reality you know we we need the church and we need one another within the household of faith it's not that you kind of you know any of us can attend a four-week course that's called building yourselves up in your holy faith you finish that and then you move on to you know another course no Uh, this building yourselves up corporately within the household of faith um, it goes on for all our lives. Jesus told his d- disciples, I'm going away. And he says, the Holy Spirit will come. And the Holy Spirit, obviously he's going to be a comforter, uh, but he says, you know, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Okay, so when he leads you into all truth, this is what I want you to do. I want you to teach that truth. So the Lord Jesus Christ dies, buried, resurrected, ascended, Holy Spirit comes. And he brings to the apostles of Jesus the remembrance of all that Jesus had said to them. And they teach it. And it's written down. And it's left to us. And now we have it. And so when we go back through the pages of the New Testament... What do we discover? We discover that, you know, Peter and John and the rest were doing exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ told them to do. Ground those who profess faith in Jesus, in the truth, build them up. So, for example, if you're in Ephesians, flick back to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. When Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost and thousands of people are converted. Remember they asked the question, you know, what shall we do uh, to be saved? And, you know, Jesus said, uh, Peter's standing there and he says, well, what you do is uh, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the, of the Holy Spirit. And what happened? Well, a big baptismal service takes place. And then Luke immediately tells us at the end of Acts chapter 2, down there at verse 42, after they were baptized, it says that they, uh, you know, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They devoted themselves to that. They give themselves to that teaching and the teaching of others, uh, so that truth was delivered onto the saints, onto those who had been uh, converted. 
And that's why, incidentally, the regular exposition of the Bible and the application of the Word of God is central if you want to be building yourself up um, in the faith. You know, you can't build yourself up in the faith apart from the means that God has provided for doing this. And uh, this is how it's done, he says. You know, you're converted and you devote yourself to the apostles' doctrine. And you meet together and you're built up uh, in your most holy faith. That's the reason why, as you read through the Bible, God is saying to his servants, whether it's Moses, Joshua, or one of the prophets, he says, uh, well, he says to Moses, doesn't he, in Deuteronomy, he says, gather the people to me. And I will let them hear my words. Hear my words. Gather the people to me. And you see, it's mutual edification. It's mutual correction. It's mutual consolation. Mutual encouragement. And so, beloved, you see how we're going to be working this stuff out. You know, how am I going to work this stuff out on my own? I can't. You know, I need, I need you. And you need me. We need each other. The writer to the Hebrews says in chapter uh, 3, verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. The writer to the Hebrews says, you know, look out, take care, be alert. Why? Because the natural temptation will be declension. Now that's sobering. You know, that, that's the natural temptation. You know, not for us to be, you know, stalwarts, you know, all the time. You know, the natural temptation is to decline. To be discouraged. Hang the head. You know, let the arms droop. Because the battle's so fierce. We get so discouraged. And so we have to be alert. We have to watch. It takes place within the household of faith. Watching out for one another. Being alert for one another. Putting the arm around one another. And so we are to be on the lookout. In a wonderful way. Not in a negative way. In a way that is mutually encouraging. You know, think about this. We assemble to meet God. You know, that thought in itself, you know, just to mull it over in your mind is something. We, we gather together to meet God and we are called to worship God together. You know, so it's, it's not the lone ranger mentality, solo flyer mentality. We're called to do this together. Now, there is no greater display of true humanity than a church worshipping on the Lord's day. Now that's some statement, isn't it? Isn't it? There, there is no greater display of true humanity than a church at worship on the Lord's day. And you say, well, well, how? Well, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man, as we know, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So when you put together individuals who have committed themselves by the grace of God to that objective 
we want to meet together. And you've lived, you know, your life through the week in that oppressive world. And now you come together on the Lord's Day, united in your shared conviction that we worship Almighty God. And we listen to God's word. And we declare God's glory. Here is humanity at its best. You know, the world goes by. People walk on their dogs. Cyclists out for their Sunday ride. You know, people with Sunday papers under the arms coming back from the post office or wherever. And they don't know what's going on inside these four walls because they don't know Jesus. And that's why we're called, you know, to go out and tell them about Jesus. A human life is only what it should be if it is a life that is centered on serving and adoring God. Because that's why we've been uh, created. And while we assemble here, we assemble here as the body of Christ. As ones who have been redeemed and know God. So if you want not only to know your true self, but to, uh, to be your true self, then you need to go to church and you need to be at church. Have you ever thought about worship and meeting on the Lord's Day in that way? And you might need to listen to that again. Mull it over in your mind a bit. But it's a phenomenal thought. Where is the true expression of humanity? You know, it's not at Anfield. It's not at Goodison. It's not at Old Trafford. It's not at, it's not Main Road anymore, sure it's not. Where is it? Yeah, that's it. It's not, uh, it's not Highbury either, sure it's not. I'm going to give up on these illustrations. It's not in those places where the, where the world think that fulfillment is found and where this great mass of humanity is there cheering on their God. They can be up one season and down the next. It's the assembling of God's people together, magnifying the thrice holy God. My friends, why else would the whole thing be moving towards one great assembly? To that company that no one can number from every type, tribe, language, people, and tongue. You know, you're not going to live in your own little island. And neither am I. We're going to live in communion with one another. For all eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order that we might look forward to that day when it comes with a sense of anticipation, God has given us the privilege of keeping ourselves in the love of God and building ourselves up in our most holy faith. Now, let's move on to praying, praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me say right off the bat, you will find people who immediately say that this is a special kind of prayer where you don't know what you're, you're saying, but you say it anyway. And it's uh, peculiar, and you're all the better for it afterwards. Now, we, in the state that we lived in Belfast, it was a Baptist church, supposed to be a Baptist church, 
but the uh, the pastor that came in was peddling all this charismatic stuff, which um, a first section of the congregation were happy with. And one of the one of the folks in in the church he was a teacher. He was a, he was a, he was a lovely lovely lad. Um, but you know what? You teachers pe- teachers know what it's like. You know the stress. You come come back from you know teaching, and your mind's just all over the place. And he used to go up in his room and he would talk gibberish. He would say, yeah, don't know what I'm saying. It was gobbledygook. And he would talk gobbledygook for half an hour, an hour. And he said it was brilliant. You know, just praying in the spirit. And uh, I was so relaxed after it. And it was just, just gibberish. Like, we don't subscribe to that. So we don't. But we do subscribe to the few that we believe praying in the Holy Spirit is the very prayer a Christian needs to pray. You see, it's prayer in the Holy Spirit contrasting with those who are devoid of the Spirit. Verse 19. These are sensual persons who cause division not having the Spirit. So, beloved, remember what we said a few weeks ago about these folks. These, these were, and are, because you get them in the church today, these were and are the people who were, and I say are, saying, this is the way to really make progress in your Christian life. Just switch off and let God. doesn't matter if you don't understand anything that's coming out of your mouth, but that's the way to make progress in the Christian life. And it's absolutely bonkers. Jude says these people are actually devoid of the Spirit. And anyone who doesn't have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. So a little cross-reference to to this for praying in the Spirit would obviously be Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We cry out, Daddy. Now do you see this juxtaposition between building and praying? Praying in the Holy Spirit, enabled by the Holy Spirit, Praying in line with the Holy Spirit intelligently. And Paul goes on in Romans 8 to make it clear that yes, we stammer, we stumble, we wonder what on earth we're saying, even when we we are intelligent about it at times, you know, it's all coming out wrong. And Paul says, well, don't worry about it because the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that can't even be uttered. He can, t- he can articulate it for us. So our prayers, you see, are an expression of our dependence upon God. And so we pray with one another. That's why we're gathered here tonight. And we pray for one another. So praying, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being Watchful, there's that word again, watching for one another, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And so we're praying for 
one another within the household of faith. Now we need to pay careful attention to this notion of building and praying, given that they're put together. Okay, yes, a lot of people, it could be argued, you know, a lot of people could say, well, I can do this on my own. You know, people pray on their own. Uh, you know, we pray in our homes, our own quiet times over the river. So people could say, you know, we could do this on my own. But friends, we're not, we're not best on our own. And none of us are best on our own. You know, I find it difficult, really, to pray alone. Um, I find it better within a group. And that's why I think it's important to meet corporately. Um, so, when we are prepared to be honest with one another, I think, uh, you know, when we're seeking to keep ourselves in the love of God and building ourselves up in our most holy faith, we find out from one another that uh, we're not the only people that ever, that ever what? Well, we're not the only people that ever thought the way I thought you know, or, or struggle the way I struggle. We all struggle, I think, in the same way. Um, you, you find out when we're together, you know, uh, people will say, well, I never knew that you felt like that also. You know, because um, I feel like that. Uh, I never knew that, um, y- you know, that you could have those type of thoughts. Yeah, we have those type of thoughts too. And you can mutually encourage each other. That's what I'm trying to say. When you're, when you're together, you're building yourselves up together. And um, you're, you're encouraging each other. You know, sometimes, you know, preachers have an off day. Things don't come out right. And you think you're the only one that didn't understand it. Until you're talking to somebody over a cup of tea. And they're saying, I didn't understand what he said either. <laughs> and so... You're not alone. Um, And we encourage each other, you know, to keep going. Praying for one another. So building praying, finally looking. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Looking for mercy. You know, have we not already received mercy? You know, when we came to faith... Is that not something that is ours already? You know, Peter, you know, when he writes his first epistle, uh, tells us, Blessed be the God and Father for Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what's this talk about looking for mercy if we have already received it? Well, what we have here is just an indication of what really runs through the whole of the Bible. And that is that our Christian lives have a a now and a not yet dimension to them. And so if you just turn over, if you're still in Jude, I don't know where you are at the minute, before you turn to a couple of portions, maybe you're still in Acts. If you're in Acts, turn forward to 1 John. And if you're in Jude, turn back a page or two. To First John chapter three, because um, this is brought out in a lovely way by John. First John three one to three. 
Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Present tense. That we should be called the children of God. First two. Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Not yet. What we are, what we will be. But we know that when he is revealed, he shall, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in, himself, uh, in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So you see, the reality of being in Christ on account of his mercy sends us out into the journey of life, so to speak, where we wrestle as we know. Uh, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And in this whole process, as we recognize the challenges that are within us, and the challenges that are all around us, we are heeding the exhortation of the word of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Building yourself up in your holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. And looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ when? When he comes on that day. And you're welcomed into his glory. You know, one of the, one of the things that Satan has done an amazing job on is causing people who are seeking to follow the Lord Jesus Christ to lose confidence in the beginning of the story. And the end of the story. So there's a complete loss of confidence in the idea that there is a creator God. You know, forget Genesis. Genesis 1 and 2, myth. Genesis 1, 2 and 3, fairy story. Genesis 1 to 11, well, just ditch it. And that has permeated the whole church. It's amazing just how many places that claim to be evangelical that uh, would question the whole uh, creation narrative. And Satan has done a good job at uh, undermining people's faith and undermining their confidence at the beginning of the story. That we were personally, you know, made by God for his glory. That, that he loves us and he has set his love upon us. And all of that, you know, narrative in the beginning. To say Satan has undermined people's confidence. And then the other end of the story. You know, the, the return of Jesus. What was Jude talking about? What's Peter talking about? Scoffers. Who say, is he really coming? What's keeping him? You know, things have always been this way, etc. And the notion that there is a saviour in heaven who is going to come back again. You know, people's confidence are undermined. The fact that there's a saviour in heaven who is awaiting our arrival there when we breathe our last in this scene of time. People think, is there? And so both of these things have to be affirmed. Yes, God created and yes, Christ is coming back and he's going to make all things new. Those things have to be affirmed. 
if we are going to earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. God created the world. God has provided in Jesus a saviour for sin. That saviour has ascended into heaven. And from heaven, we await Christ who will come again. I love it. It's imperative that we keep ourselves in the love of God. It's imperative that we build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, looking for Christ's return. You know, in Jesus, as we've mentioned many a time, in Jesus, we're all still under construction. Not right? We're all still a work in progress. None of us are the finished article. And sadly, sometimes we make that all too obvious to those that we love best. We need to repent of that and obviously keep going. But one day, we will be the finished product. Because he who began a good work in us will carry it through to completion. And we will inherit that new creation because Jesus promised it. And he can't lie. And one day we will be pure. One day we will be spotless. I think it was John MacArthur was asked what would be the best thing about heaven. And he said, no sin. Or I won't sin, something like that. So, yeah, I'm not pure, I'm not spotless yet, and neither are you. (laughs) That's why we're waiting. That's why we're looking and longing for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, pray you'd help us to wait. And while we wait, while we look, help us to be a praying people. While we pray, help us to help each other, to build one another up, and our most holy faith to keep an eye out for one another to support one another for we know that we could can only keep ourselves because you keep us you promise that you'll keep us in the palm of your hand and promise that you'll never let us go and so we pray Lord keep us in Christ keep us faithful Make us faithful. And Lord, yes, while we recognize that we are still a work in progress, we pray that as we have been thinking on Sunday mornings, that you would just help us to bear fruit that is a reflection of Christ. We want him to be seen in us. And so, Lord, we ask that as we sing our next hymn and then come to the throne of grace that Lord we would lay hold of the bountiful promises that we find in your precious word and claim them all in Christ in whose name we pray Amen Amen